0: Welcome back boys and girls to another episode of K Comparisons. My name is Mr. Know It All Daniel John Schaefer, and today I am joined once again by the rest of the Holy Trinity, the Kfabe crew,
1: Mr. Jesse Baker, Mr. Wex breaking the Law, and Jesse, how you feeling today bro? I'm doing great, man. I'm excited to get back to the comparison format. Although we've had a couple of really fun shows, including last week's indie spotlight with Alex Kane. Still doing some numbers.
2: Pretty proud of that one. But today should be a whole lot of fun. Yeah, hell yeah, Wex. How you living, bud? Uh, I'm doing pretty good today. You know, just like Jesse said, pretty excited about how good last week's show's been doing. It was uh, it was pretty fun. Yeah. I'm excited for this week and hard to kill, dude. Ooh. It's, gonna be, it's gonna be hard to beat
0: Ooh. yeah today is a cl- return to the classic format it's a true kayfabe comparison a nostalgia show versus a current day show we have wcw nwo sold out 1997 versus hard to kill from impact in 2021 i am super excited about this one guys i love doing the indie spotlights i love uh you know the little happy hour trivia things that we've been doing but Man, this is this is what I call home. This is a true K-fabe comparison here. So let's kick it right off. Match number one on Impact Hard to Kill 2021 is Decay versus Tennille Dashwood and Caleb with a K. Jesse, give it to me. What do you think about this intergender tag team match? You know,
1: I got to say I thought it was a good little opener for a pay-per-view. I thought that one of the things I love about those opening matches, honestly, is when they match the gimmicks up the right way and you have this bright vain instagram influencer couple shit yeah. whatever they are versus whatever it is that rosemary and crazy steve hot topic is. kids yeah right yeah i mean it's kind of a classic you know uh, a good versus evil so on and so forth i the work was not anything terribly incredible by any stretch of the imagination but i thought they ran the mixed tag concepts really well i think steve i can't say he's underrated but i can he's say underrated. His his work far supersedes his gimmick is what I think. Yes. But uh, I love the mist, obviously big mist mark. So I gave it two and a half beers. Two and a half beers, Wex. What did you think about this opener here?
2: Uh, I don't think it was a very strong match for an opener. I was kind of like Jesse said, the work wasn't the best or not the worst, but I don't know. This just wasn't very good opening match for me. It didn't it didn't hook me in like. I think they, this could have been like a number two match. They could have easily opened with maybe the women's tag team championships, knockouts tag team championships, I'm sorry. Something a little bit more exciting, because I don't know. This just this just didn't get me going at first. I was kind of just feeling kind of down on this one. But And the whole fact is, and the like you said, you're a mark for the green mist, and I like the green mist too, but I just think it's weird when a non-Japanese wrestler does the green mist. It just doesn't work for me.
1: It just so doesn't how many, seem right. How many,
2: beer, how many beers were you on that one? I'm going to go ahead and give it just two beers because I like they failed on the what's-up dick spot. So yeah. that was pretty funny, pretty classic. I mean, like you said, they got a, the, the little finish was cool with the DDT and everything, and the work rate wasn't terrible, so I'm going to give it two beers. That's fair. I
0: mean, I feel like boys and girls need to write it down now because uh, it doesn't happen very often on this show, but I'm pretty much right there with Jesse, actually. Um, I thought the opening match, It was a, I thought it was a good little opener. I thought the work was overall pretty smooth. Uh, I mean, was it corny? Yeah, but I mean, so is pro wrestling in general. So I was kind of fine with it. The piped-in noise uh, at first kind of threw me off, but then I was like, all right, you know, actually I kind of think it's better this way with the piped-in noise. Also having D-Lo and Stryker on commentary made a is a significant upgrade, I think, uh, even though they did stumble at times. But I mean, their first time, you know, as far as I know, this is their first time. This is the first time I've heard them together. I'm sure they've probably done work together before, uh, but this is the first time I've heard them together, and I thought that they did a really good job job there um, but yeah man let's jump let's get in our time machine let's hop into the lorian put that thing on 88 and go to match number one nwo wcw sold out 1997 uh before we even get to this match though i gotta say the trash like the trash man opening thing was super weird all i can think of is how ex- insanely expensive that had to be to to like do that whole thing on the road and it went way too long it was like very masturbatory Like, you could just tell that, like, all the NWO guys were just getting off, just being turds. Like, and it (laughs) didn't really do well for them because it's a fucking pay-per-view at this point. Like, you know what I mean? I don't know. It just, people are paying for that. It's just not the strongest way to open the show because I'm pretty sure it was almost 12 minutes before the first match actually began. And that's uh, that's a little rough. But, yeah, the the first match on the card here is a very young Chris Jericho versus Masahiro Chono. I'll do a little snake draft here. Wex, how you feel about this one?
2: It started off kind of slow, but it eventually picked up. And I, you know, I know these two guys can definitely put on a better match, but for the circumstances and everything, it wasn't that bad. I thought it was very fucking dumb that the crowd was chanting USA to a Japanese guy and a Canadian guy. I was just like, and I, and even Bischoff was like making fun of it on commentary. I was like, oh, you guys know where you're from? That's great. Like, that's one of my biggest pet peeves in wrestling: chanting USA for no fucking reason. Like, does that happen what? anymore though? I feel like that's very 90s. No, dude, I've seen it happen recently, like maybe like two to three years ago, like people it was in a WWE match. Like I had oh, a Lady cool. Furious once because I, when Rusev was doing the USSR thing, I chanted USSR and she was like furious, looking at me like USA, and I was like, damn, lady, like calm down. But it's a, it's a wrestling show, lady. <laughs> I did notice Chono did have a little botch off the top rope, and then Jericho just kind of like laid like one little shot into him. That he was just like fun. laid down. He didn't even <laughs> yeah. he, like what ha- what happened there. Did he just like pat- did he go night night for a minute? Like I don't know, but that paint that table spot Jericho took on the outside looked pretty bad overall, just because I know these guys can do better, it's only getting two beers for me. Jesse,
0: what do you think about Chris Jericho versus Chono here?
1: Well, I have to do a small rewind just to the show as a whole. Um, I I have to say two things about it that I know you guys are going to shit on me for. But one, I thought that going outside of the box to make the visual presentation, including the entrance ramp and everything else, completely and totally different from any other show was smart on their part like it was the concept on paper of doing what they did made a lot of sense the execution not so much but you're coming off of the very first you know half a year of the nwo hogan's supposed to be on top they're supposed to be this whole big i I hate the idea of them being a separate promotion in the first place but that's what they were meant to do you know this would have been a good kickoff for that had it gone anywhere and had this show been executed better it suffered from no stories at all between most of the competitors, which gets me to Jericho and Chono. There was zero background to this thing at all, and that, to me, made the match suffer. I mean, you know, given Jericho's background, fighting a guy like Chono, that should have been a, a straight, great match.
2: Yeah, uh, exactly.
1: Like That's strong, why. strong in the right ways, not strong in the we have zero chemistry and we didn't even fucking talk about this before we came out way. Sure. That's kind of what it seemed like to me. Nick Patrick's goofy, looking like a roadie that just got hired off the street gimmick here immediately stood out as like, oh man, we are in for a shit show. And I just, I had the USA chance on my notes too. And that really awful table spot that was kind of botched, which I think is why it looks so bad. Yeah. It was. It, this is one beer for me. That finish also. Fuck that finish was awful. Oh, it's pretty bad. It was really bad. I mean, I'm kind of. I'm pretty much in between.
0: Um, I will say, I like. I didn't like the opening segment but I did like what you were saying as far as like the arena being different the entrance ramp being different. I liked that the commentary guys were pretty much just sitting on road cases like watching the ring as opposed to having a desk and like that whole thing. I like that. I, I do think that, that that you're right like the idea was there but the execution was just poor. Uh, and when you start off with a match like this, I mean it's definitely not a good 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 foot to get off there. Uh there's a couple of some really tough spots for sure. Um, Well, I I will say this, man. You know what I do miss? I miss the damn vertical suplex. Don't nobody do a damn vertical suplex anymore. Like, why? Like, y'all slow down with your tope suicidas and give me a couple damn just good old fashioned vertical suplexes,
1: man. I just want to see. I'll I'll, give you a hip toss every now and then. Just give me one of those. You know what I'm saying? Like. I'm right there with you. Also one note on the presentation, the no music for the WCW guys oh. or like the shitty voiceovers. I loved that. I I thought it was
2: great. I I agree that the guy who was doing those voiceovers like some of those comments he was hitting all night like I definitely popped for a couple of those. Like he yeah he would just go loser cuz it was it's the same voice that would do like the It's the nwo voice. Pay, it's paid yeah. for by the nwo. Yeah, it's yeah, like, no. Yeah. It was great. I mean, like,
0: okay, I think it would have had more of an effect had it just been on certain guys. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if like every single WCW guy shouldn't have the music because uh, I don't know.
2: And but, one thing I'll say, besides uh, Kevin Nash and Hogan, everyone had the same generic theme song. Like, yeah, it was just the man, man, go NWO. Well, I'm I'm pretty
0: like, sure I'm pretty sure a lot of that was. Was that in, network? Right. Is that
2: net? Or that was that like network? Yeah, and uh, w- they and weren't using
0: the regular. And a No, they did. They, they did.
2: No, they, they did for Hogan. Hogan and Nash had it, and like for Hogan and Nash's match, and then for, yeah.
0: Uh, but the other ones, I think they just used like yeah,
2: everybody else just had that generic. Yeah. N w o o o. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't know, man. Two beers for me overall. Um, I mean, the table bump to me looked especially harsh because there weren't pads and like it was just carpet. It was Ooh, like right on the hip. Yeah, like concrete and just like a regular rug from like a restaurant doorway. Like it just was not a it was not 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 very well padded at all. Um, but let's get back over here to hard to kill match number two. It's violent by design versus Dreamer, Rhino and Cousin Jake. Jesse, take it away, ma'am.
1: I love all these guys, honestly. I really do. I kind of – I wish – I know Doe Ring's regular-ass cowboy look works really well in Japan. I kind of wish they would gussy him up just a little bit here because he looks out of place. Not – Not. I don't want anything fancy. I don't want rhinestones. I don't want him to be James Storm. Just something a little more than what they're doing. It just looks sort of awkward. Um, outside of that, I really didn't – It Rhino and Dreamer are in the match, so you know that there's going to be some kind of a tack spot or some kind of a chair spot or some kind of blood. I really wish they had saved that for later on in the card. Yeah, I wish they had not pulled that out at all because with nobody in the crowd, the minute you see that that cherry's popped, I don't care how how much less severe, you know. I agree. It just kind of I didn't I didn't love that very much. I didn't think there were very many standout spots. I think it did a lot for Deaner and maybe Jake more than anybody, which
2: I think is what it meant to do. So yeah. I'll give it
1: two beers, but that's really the only reason why.
2: Yeah. Wex, uh, where are you at on it? I'm going to go and say one thing I agree with about uh, Joe Doring and his look. He needs to go ahead and cut that hair. His hair like <laughs> looks like mine up front, but then he has like the rest of it. It's like... It's like if Dean Ambrose or John Moxley, whatever, grew his hair all the way out and, like, you see how he has, like, nothing up here. Like, he needs to go ahead and, like, shave his head. Just get some, like, just any – just some basic trunks of his name or, like, maybe, like, a cowboy hat. Just something. I agree with Jesse. He, could, he definitely looks fucking weird and out of place, and that hair ain't helping him at all. And I had, like, literally some same notes about how you're going to have some chair spots and if you're going to have Rhino or Dreamer in the match. I will say, though – their, the thumbtack spot they did on Eric Young was very minimal. He got, like, two in his butt, and I think they did a very minimal one because after what's going to happen later on in the card, like, I don't I don't think they did too much. I don't think they went over the top with it. And then I kind of like the end of the match where everybody just started fucking hitting their finishers left and right, and then yeah. that really sick-ass Powell driver. And since they're they're not the Deaners anymore, can they go ahead and break, like, can Cousin Jake just be called Jake something like he's called everywhere else? Can they right. drop the Cousin Jake Redneck yeah. gimmick, because, you know, we don't you don't really need that at this point anymore since they're broken up. And he can just kind of evolve his regular normal gimmick into Impact. I think that'd be pretty cool. But I went ahead and gave it three beers because this was really brutal. And I just loved seeing them just beat the shit out of each other. And I had a good time watching this one. Even though it wasn't the best six man of the night, it was still pretty enjoyable. I mean, for me, man, I got to say that
0: uh, it's a lot of brawl. And that's just not my style for the most part. Like that's just not what I'm really into. They did it well. Uh, I actually love Doring's look, by the way. I, I feel like he I feel like he is lit. Like his gimmick is that he's an '80s wrestler. Like, and an '80s guy would have that long flowing hair with the, with the bald on top. He's yeah. got like you know what I'm saying. Like he legit looks like. Like a much bigger 1987 Jake the Snake. If you just put six six inches and like 50 pounds on Jake the Snake, that's exactly what he looks like to me. I don't um, know what it is. It's something about his, his, the way he puffs his chest out and his hat. I love it. Oh, I know, no, I get it. It's all it's pure cheese. It's pure cheese in a can, cheese with cheese. I completely agree. But to me, that's part of it. I I don't know. I I like the fact that he looks like he straight up got out of 1987. Like I I just I love that about him. Um I I like I will say the the best part about, about this match to me was that it was short and sweet. Um I like everybody in the match, but I thought that I thought everything felt clunky. Um I will say they only did it one time, but when they had a triple window when they actually had like all three guys paired off or like I really liked that thing. I thought that was cool. I'd like to see more of that. I'd like to see a better production team. Maybe like WWE really utilized that the right way. Cause they have, a, you know, they could have just rehearsed that shit and have the camera set up the right way. I feel like it'd be pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I gave it one and a half beers. It just was not not my ticket. Again, the best part about it was that it was short. Speaking of short, let's jump on over back to the next show here. It's a. Uh, it's Jeff Jarrett.
2: It's Double J versus Michael Wall Street. That is out of order. Out of order. The ne- You missed it. The next match is Hugh Morris versus Big Bubba, a.k.a. Oh, I have those. Oh, you know what? Uh, yep, you're it's right. NWO, don't we? I mean, we have to touch on it. Well, it's sprinkled. <sighs> all I'll say is that Wisconsin cheese comment that he made Yeah. was very cringe. Everything about this Miss NWO thing was pure cringe. Oh, so, God. It made me feel so uncomfortable.
1: What's a a little bit of interesting note The the MC that's hosting the thing, Jeff Katz, he's the son of some new line cinema executive, apparently, and he eventually became a Hollywood producer and a comic book author. He's written issues of like Booster Gold for DC and Freddy versus Jason versus Ash. And he also launched something that I just discovered last week called Wrestling Retribution Project. And we're going to have to dig into that, boys, because the roster is very interesting. There's like a like a Davari and a Timothy Thatcher and some real surprising people and this from well quite some time ago so, oh wow yeah this guy was apparently Eric Bischoff's like little golden boy protege guy they obviously suffered from a lack of production as no one could hear one another but it's worth touching on it like defines the show you know
2: yeah I mean I get it anything it takes.
1: Oh, we got God. that multiple
2: times.
0: <laughs> blech, blech, blech. Okay, Um. yeah. On to the match, though. Hugh Morris versus Big Bubba. Uh, this was trash. It was awful. Uh, a bunch of nut shots in the beginning. Bubba took the most awkward over-the-top clothesline I've ever seen. Apparently, we can just swing the chain like a whip and whip the shit out of people with a chain. I've never seen that happen before. I was like, holy either. shit. Like, he straight waylaid him. Like, I've been... I mean, I've seen, like... Columbia, Tennessee, death matches and shit. And I've never <laughs> seen a big-ass man just actually whip a chain at another human being's face like that. Wow. Apparently it was a last man standing, by the way. And it was a
2: Mexican death no, Yeah, Mexican death match.
1: Mexican- but when did they actually – say they didn't say it before the match, did they? They said it at some point in the evening because when I, I picked up on it and I looked up why it was called that, which is interesting too.
0: God. Anyway, it was. I thought it was terrible. I mean – Bubba hit him with the Harley for the finish. Like, he literally, like, what is it with hitting people with vehicles? Like, I don't know, man. I gave it half a beer just because there was a motorcycle. I don't know. Jesse, what do you think?
1: Definitely zero beers, but it's one of the more entertaining stories simply because it's a Mexican death match with two white guys in Iowa. She's but that fan. is because instead of Hugh Morris, it famous. was originally supposed to be Conan. Oh, okay. that makes sense. There was some kind of booking or illness. I don't know the issue, but for some reason, he couldn't make the show. So they subbed Hugh Morris, still called it a Mexican death match, hit Hugh Morris with a motorcycle, and he showed up on Nitro without a bandage the next day.
0: 100% Conan was like, no, fuck this, man. I'm not going to go do this fucking NWO job. I know all these fucking WCW guys are just going to get shit on. Fuck this, bro. I'm not going.
2: Like, so yeah, he's, like I'm, he's like, I'm not going to job to a, a Harley. <laughs> Lex, what do you think, man? Tell me. Bow and shoe ugly. That's one of the things I have written I down. Drizzling that. shits. The slow, painful shits. I could say, uh, damn. Jimmy Hart even got involved in this match. Like the faces were obviously like breaking the rules in front of Nick Patrick, but then when the heel like, but he would get mad at them, but not at the heels. Like the whole yeah, dynamic of this shit. Sense. Yeah. I will though. However, I will give it one beer because Hugh Morris hit a moonsault. That's
0: yeah, he did, he did. That's what he
2: does though. But then, but then he hit the worst moonsault, like, botch <laughs> attempt off the steps. Like, I don't know what the fuck that was. Oh, I just thought, I just, like, and then same thing. I, like, I have the same note written down. Used a chain, question mark? He was straight up, like you said, swinging that shit like a fucking whip, like, hitting him in the head. I've never seen that either. That was just, it was just a shit show. But, uh, yeah, I'll just go one beer because it was Bow and, sh- and Shoot Ugly with a few... Let's say interesting spots.
0: <laughs> <laughs> interesting to say the least. Uh, the next thing on the card on Hard to Kill is kind of interesting too. It's the Swan, Sabin, and Moose kind of had a little promo in the back. Uh, and then we got a package for the Knockouts Tag Team Championship. I will say these packages are really good, like significantly better than they have been. Although it really bothers me. Like, I noticed this one too in the Violent by Design package. Like, stop showing pile drivers where the head is clearly like a foot away from the mat. <laughs> it, it's like, I mean, you do it in slow motion, use it in your package. Like, I don't know. I, I that I didn't like that at all. Uh, but yeah, match number three on the card here is Havoc and Nevaeh versus Faya and Flava, Kiera Hogan and Tasha Steels. Wex, back to you, baby. What do you think about this Knockouts
2: Tag Team Championship match? I thoroughly enjoyed this match, and I've actually kind of been keeping up with the tournament on TV, and I thought it was great. They pretty much told a classic wrestling match of, uh, you know, strength versus speed here. And I thought the uh, Steels and Hogan like did had some great tag work together. They kept like you know tagging each other in and out, like doing like I mean, it was just solid fucking work from both of them. It was kind of sloppy when they went to the top rope. I think they were I don't know if they were gonna try the Tower of Power. Then it turned into a double power bomb. Like that was kind of yeah. sloppy, but that wasn't their fault. That was kind of a collective of everybody. But I, I thought it was great. Like like I said, it was just a classic wrestling match. I'm gonna go three beers because. It wasn't amazing, but, I mean, it was solid, solid tag team work, and I like that uh, Steels and Hogan won the championships.
1: Nice. Jesse, where are you at? I gave this one four beers, and there are a couple of reasons why. Partially, I'm biased to both of these teams, and I really love the Fire and flavor presentation. I think they, they there's just so much going on with that team. I thought there were a lot of decent spots. There were some botches, but there were a lot of hard hits, too, Which for a strength versus speed match, the way that they worked that I thought was pretty expert. The finish stood out to me. Also, if you're talking about examples of, and I'm talking major promotions now. I'm not talking indies because they have this in spades. But major examples of women's tag team matches, there really aren't a ton of great ones currently. Yeah. And True. this one, I, this one I thought really was. And I also popped for Gale and Madison, not so much Madison, but anytime I see Gale came, I'm going to pop. She's the shit. Hell so, yes, yeah, she is. Four bears. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i going to poo-poo on
0: all of that. We're back to our normally regularly scheduled program because I thought it was the <laughs> shits. I was not into this at all. Uh, I thought I felt like there was no real heat. I felt like there was no continuity. I felt like they never got into a real rhythm. Um, to be fair, I, this is a uh, pretty, I mean, I've seen Havoc and Nevaeh before. And I have seen, I believe, Kiera Hogan before, but I don't know if I've seen Tasha Steele's wrestle. It wasn't that they were bad. It was just like, I, I, I don't know. I literally wrote down, too, like, out of all the women's tag matches, they're still, like, I, I'm on the, I was almost making the same point, but I still feel like they haven't really figured that out. I don't feel like any promotion has, and I don't think that this one hit the mark either. I thought it was pretty underwhelming. Um, I thought everything, there was a lot of feeding, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of leading in. Nothing felt like, um, it, all, it, 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 fe- it felt like I was viewing choreography as opposed to, like, stiff shots and, like, things naturally happening. Um, but, yeah, I gave it two beers. Uh, pretty underwhelmed. That's where I'm at with it. But, God, if we're still oh, speaking about underwhelming,
1: well-maker.
0: let's jump back over here. I jumped the gun how much I wanted to shit on this one. It's uh, Jeff Jarrett versus Michael Wall Street. Um, Oh, before that, though, of course, we had uh, more Miss NWO interviews, which were just fantastic. And then we also had the most awkward plugs for their 90s website, which looked so, so old. It made me feel so
1: old.
2: You couldn't even read it because it was like the resolution was so bad. I think they pixelated
1: it it that way. Oh, OK. But I want our website to look like that, though, guys, just so Oh, please, God.
0: Can we do that? (laughs) I really want to. Make sure to follow us on uh, Comparisons at angelfire.com. Jeff Jarrett versus Wall Street. Yeah, man. Uh, Wex, what do you think about this one?
2: Jeez, uh I don't know how to like explain. Like, it this didn't really make sense because Wall Street is Hill NWO, but Double J in the current storyline with like mott like whole thing, he's still a Hill, and he's working Hill against Hill, and it just like it didn't make any sense. But, but he
0: dressed worked like... babyface though. Like in the match, worked babyface as Hill.
2: But kind of, not really. He was still like cheating in front of the. It, it just. It just didn't really make sense to me, and I think it's funny that they uh, Bischoff on commentary said, "Oh, this guy needs a new outfit because he's still wrestling <laughs> in that goddamn that that screams heel. When you wear that shit, you want to be booed. You don't oh, want yeah. like you don't want to be cheered when you're wearing that shit. But I think it's funny that they were going through like the whole thing of him being a horseman, and I just laughed like Jeff <laughs> Jarrett'll never be a fucking horseman. Never. He's not horseman material. But uh, yeah, it didn't. It was kind of weird. The fucking briefcase shot. They didn't explain anything about the briefcase. It was just yep. Creeped on the ring and fucking hit him with a briefcase. Yeah. and I just thought it was funny, like, because, like I said, they were both, like, t- towards the end of the match, he did the abdominal stretch and used the rope, and then Nick Patrick's like, no, and then Rotunda, or Wall Street, whatever, reverses it and does the same thing, and he's just like, like, I liked Nick, pa- uh, sorry, I liked Nick Patrick's dynamic throughout the night, like, him, obviously, or then, like, and towards the end of this, like, this is the only match, the only match besides one later that he actually counted... A counted a win for a WCW guy, but the only reason he did it is because Mongo like intimidated him to do it. But yeah, I thought I thought it was brilliant, funny, but of course I'm only gonna give it two beers because the whole match itself was shit. But the all the comedy stuff made me laugh because it just didn't make any sense. See, I, I literally gave it one full beer because because I,
0: I, it was funny and because the finish to me was so bad and so silly and so outrageous. So I did give it one beer.
1: Jesse, where you at on it? I gave it one beer as well. For all the same reasons, but also that little fun underlying factor that, at this time, Deborah either still is or shortly isn't Mongo's wife in real life, but also a valet for the horsemen, and then would go on to be Jarrett's valet later on in WWF, and I think
0: that's
1: kind of interesting. But yeah, the whole thing was just schmazz hilarious. Jarrett did a great job, and I mean, it makes sense that Mongo ran down, because Jarrett wasn't a horseman, but he was horseman-affiliated. And so is Mongo. Yeah. And so they're trying to get the WCW win, if that the makes story, sense. The story did work.
0: I mean, they had been telling this story. It
1: made sense storyline-wise. I get that for sure. It still it doesn't like, mean it didn't smell the fuck like dog at shit. at this point in time gave two shits about Mr. Wall Street being on anything? It's a pay-per-view.
0: Well, uh, speaking about people that we care about seeing on a pay-per-view, uh, Ace Austin comes out on the show, Hard to Kill, and it demands a title match. Uh, of course, uh, Demora comes out and introduces Matt Cardona. Woo, woo, woo. Definitely down for this one. Uh, Jesse, right back at you. Ace
1: Austin versus Matt Cardona. What do you think? So seeing Cardona against... See Card, We talked about level playing fields throughout COVID and throughout the pandemic and all this fun stuff. And the interesting thing is Wes and I have done commentary on an Ace Austin match within the last six months. And... In, in very rural Tennessee, and I've seen him at USA shows within the last year, year and a half. It, it's hilarious to see that kind of, not hilarious, is that's the wrong word, but it's very interesting to see that kind of rise, see him go through GCW matches, all of those kinds of things, end up in impact, and then also see Cardona in this same boat right here. To see them on a, some, presented in a somewhat level playing field, like, here's a challenger I think is worthy of you. In this place. I thought that was a really glaring example of what we've been talking about in terms of a level playing field. Cardona looks like an absolute bona fide star. I mean, yeah. it's just undeniable. He looks better yeah. than he ever has. The one thing I really hated, I didn't like to have the the dirty finish scenario. I felt like you either bring in Cardona as the guest and just viciously put him over clean, or you do a dirty finish where Ace actually wins wins and it sets up something for the future sure. instead of this stupid melee bullshit. I, that, for that reason and that reason alone, I gave it two and a half beers.
0: See, for me, I'm, a, I'm, I'm going three beers on this one because I thought it was hot from the jump, and I thought both guys had solid chemistry, and I was looking forward to seeing more. So to me, it was like a quick finish, a screw finish, because I think there's going to be more. Um, so three beers for me, I enjoyed it quite a bit I do think that Cardona and Austin are going to have a pretty cool little program and I'm down to watch that for sure Wex where you at on it
2: I'm uh not on either of your levels I'm actually below I only give it one beer because this really didn't even have to be a match it could have just been a segment where he came out there and they talked and beat him down hit his finisher and no guys really could have looked weak from like losing a match It didn't have to have the bullshit with Fulton interfering it could have just been all right, you know, I'll see you next week on impact and they could have brawled yeah, or something like it easily fair. could have just been a segment. Didn't have to be a match. That's the only reason I gave it a beer because clearly like if they would have kept going and got to actually put on a full match, it would have been great. Cause like you said, I was, I was like, Oh, this shit's kind of heating up. And then the DQ happened. So I just think it could have been saved as a segment, not a match. So that's the only reason I gave it a beer.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's true over here on the NWO sold out card. This one, guys, you might want to write this down too. This might be one of the rare times that I like. I'm I'm gonna give Buff Bagwell some shit. Like Dude. this was not a bad match. It was not bad. Uh, it wasn't fantastic. It was definitely not a five star match. But up until this point, up until the you know this is the fourth match on the card so far. This is the best match on the card so far. I mean, there was there was actual rhythm to the match. They had, a, they had a steady pace. I mean, granted, these guys were tag team partners, and maybe Riggs was the only guy to, that could give Buff Bagwell this kind of match. I do also kind of feel like Riggs never really got a fair shake after this, probably booking, maybe politics, I'm not sure. But the dude could go, for sure. He had a good look, and he obviously could kind of talk. He had the cockiness. But yeah, I mean... I think Riggs got a bad rap, but I gave this thing three beers. I was right there in the middle. Didn't love it. Didn't hate it. I was pleasantly surprised by it. Jesse, what do you think about Scotty Riggs versus Buff
1: Bagwell? I, I So I gave it three and a half for one reason that isn't what you just said, because I agree with everything you just said. I do have to throw in – I got to give credit to Buff for the effectiveness of his heel turn, because yeah, up totally. until the NWO, he had just been – American males, gigolo dancing, Scorpio's partner, American white meat, baby face, Marcus Buff Bagwell. Yeah. But the minute he made that turn, it's like they say, the best versions of your character are just six degrees of separation from you, you know? Yeah. And that's, you can tell that's who that motherfucker is. Oh, he is, yeah, he is Buff Bagwell, for sure, yeah. Also, the debut of a move I was super, super hot for during the video game days, man, that Buff blockbuster. The first time I remember seeing Great it. Great move. I mean, the first, time I, the first time I saw it was here, and then I remember seeing it on WCNWO Revenge and being like, oh, I got to be this guy just so I can do that move yeah. every time. I didn't Fair give two enough. fucks about him other than that. It's a curve. So, they did have great chemistry. It's such that Riggs was in such a just not great position throughout the rest of his career after this because I do think he was talented. I just don't think the charisma thing was really there on the microphone. And I think he could work and he could look good, but he's Genetti clearly. Yeah. So, it is what it is. I thought the match ran just a little bit too long. I thought they had shaved, like, th- maybe three minutes off of it, that it would have come off a whole lot better, and, you know, I don't know. It is what it is. But, yeah, I gave it three and a half. Yeah,
0: fun fact, uh, when I was John Justice in uh, the good old Mid-America NWA, my finish was an inverted blockbuster, so I would just Ooh. jump around the guy and give a cutter. Like, same, same idea. It's actually a really Ooh. easy move to pull off, hence why Buff Bagwell did it. But, Wex, what would you think about this one, man?
2: I mean, literally almost all of my notes is everything that both of you said, pretty much. Like, I, I've never been a big – like I said, I've never been a big fan of Buff Bagwell, but this is honestly one of the best matches I've ever seen him work, period. This is one of the only Back, matches yeah. on – This is actually, a top five Buff Bagwell match, yeah. <laughs> and first match on this whole card that actually had a – well, besi- I guess besides the double J thing, well, no, because that story – was really not involved with the match, I guess. It's some side shit, but this is the first match that had a true story, like, story to it. Like, yeah. like you said, the heel turn, former tag team partners, and like the chemistry was obviously there, and like I've never seen Buff do this good. And I said, sadly, this is some of the best work on the show, and I even have the same thing. The first time he ever hit the blockbuster as his finish, just as Jesse said, which is a sick fucking move, and I think Seth Rollins does a really fucking sick one. He's, oh, he doesn't.
0: For sure. Well, Seth Rollins is uh, like universes away from Buff Bagwell as far as in ring
2: work. Seth Rollins is a top five guy to me. I mean, but yeah, man. Yeah, so I went three beers also, like pretty much the exact same thing as you guys because it was great. I mean, like I said, I, we'll go ahead, like you said for the record, we all enjoyed a Buff Bagwell match.
0: Yeah, it's wild. It's wild. What Write it down that? here. We all enjoyed this Buff Bagwell match, and I'm pretty sure we all enjoyed this next match here. We had a, again, I have to, I have to say, nice promo package for the X Division Triple Threat. I thought they did a phenomenal job. Whoever's do, running that, I mean, just compared to the last show that we watched, I feel like the promo packages are significantly better on this show. They really stood out to me. Um, it could have also been because I watched the 97 show right before this. Maybe that's <laughs> possible too. But yeah, the match here is Chris Bay versus Rohit Raju and Manic. For the X-Division Championship, Jesse Baker, tell me what you thought, man.
1: I thought out of the gate, one of my favorite things is with a lot of these X-Division matches, they can be nothing but spots. And I I thought there was a lot of speedy chain wrestling like there was back in the OG X-Division of TNA, which I really enjoy. I like seeing a match kind of start that way and grow to meaningful spots. I also thought that they made a really good use of the three-man dynamic, like losing your third and having the two face off and kind of doing a rotating version of that throughout. The finish I really loved, and it's one of those things that for I kind of struggle with what to call it. I'm not sure if he does that all the time, but it is like a Mahistral crucifix kind of situation of some sort, but I just thought I thought it was a really great match. I kind of like the dynamic of Manic losing the mask because it's not like we don't all know who it is anyway. So it's right. kind of growing towards that whole business. But all three of these guys, I know TJP is kind of a fucking idiot. In ring, you can't really argue with what he's able to do. And yeah. Rohit, I think, has a big upside. Chris Bay, obviously, fucking has a big upside. I gave it four beers. Yeah, I'm pretty much in the exact same boat. Four beers from me
0: um uh, actually i gave it four and a half i mean i just didn't have a whole lot of notes because I, the guys had me glued to the screen and i wasn't really writing down a lot the space between the spots was good they sold well too which is nice definitely some great great sequences great false finishes and a really solid true
2: finish uh i thought it was, i thought it was really good uh wex where are you at on it i'm pretty much right there with both of you guys i also gave it four beers like it was a fantastic fucking match great work and like even that little story of them trying to expose the mask, which we, like you said, we all knew it was TJP, but still that added little dimension of them trying to rip his mask off, and they finally do it, just add a little bit extra to the match. And that same move you were talking about, Jesse the Finish, I just wrote crazy quick roll up pin steel crucifix thing. Cause it, I don't know, it just was really yeah. fast. Like the way, like the way he does it, like normally if you get like a quick roll up pin, it's like kind of bullshit, but like this looks strong, like the way he did it, and it just. I thought this was a fucking fantastic match. Great fucking work, and and even like the little bit of story between like Rohit, Roju, and Chris Bay, if you like like their allegiance. But then when it comes to the belt, it's like great match, great story, four beers.
0: I agree fully, man. Uh, Although I will say. We didn't get anywhere near this level on the next match here on the WCW card. It's going to be DDP versus Scott Norton. Uh, man, lots of clunk in this one. DDP is clearly over, though. I mean, 1997, DDP is hes definitely running the roost as one of their top babyfaces, if not the top babyface. I know that Sting is kind of doing that whole you know, Undertaker ripoff vibe at this point, but I would argue that DDP in 1997 going into 98 was the actually the most over babyface, you know, building by building. I don't know, man. The match sucked altogether, though, as far as how it was. It wasn't it wouldn't even I don't even think it would have been good as a as a nitro match. And then, you know, DDP doing the whole like pretending to join double cross again when we had literally just seen it on TV. Like, I think if this had been the first time, it would have been great. But we had just seen it. Uh, So for me, I literally gave it a beer and a half.
1: Jesse, where you at, man? Kind of hilarious because I also gave it a beer and a half, but I was that was me saying good things, like good things opposite of what you're saying. Okay, but same rating though. I uh, I, it protected DDP the way that the match finished. At that point in time, it was kind of difficult to have a great match with Scott Norton unless you were either a really really huge guy or a really really tiny guy that he was gonna squish. Um, Yeah, I, I felt like it progressed that whole story of DDP like. Not joining the NWO, yada, yada, yada. And obviously that was going to go on for a while. I think basically that they had already made the decision that they were going to do long builds with guys like Sting and guys like DDP. And they were trying to figure out how to just keep milking the cow until it just couldn't help but the milk came out. You know what I mean? Like uh, that was a really bad analogy that I just attempted to make. But Whoa. I think you all know what I meant. Skeet, skeet, skeet. There you go. But Wex, uh, Wex where you at on it? <laughs>
2: Uh, I'm kind of with you guys, like, it's, when it first started, like, I know they were kind of trying to do the whole speed versus strength thing with them because of how big Norton is, but it just didn't work out, and the NWO interfered, and oh yeah, Sting did appear, so, I'll at least give it a beer for Sting appearing, but yeah, it was kind of bullshit, because I wrote the exact same thing, why would you do the exact same, put on the NWO shirt, go for the handshake, pull into the diamond cutter, like, it was the exact same thing you did with Scott Hall, like, exact same. just right before that, so it's like, they're stupid, it's stupid, but like, God, it's just, why do it, change it up a little bit. Don't also, do that exact same handshake into the diamond cutter, which I, and the reason it pissed me off is because I love the original one so much. Yeah, like the yeah. first one was Scott, so classic. Yeah, like it's great, yeah. when I saw this, I was just like, this is a cheap ripoff. This is the Walmart version. Yep. And
0: uh, yeah, one beer. The, the Wish brand.
2: With, um, yeah. Wish versus Amazon. Definitely.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, 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 we might need to Google, but I'm pretty sure it was NWO Sting that was there. Because you only saw him in the Raptors. I'm pretty sure it was NWO Sting. I don't think it was Sting Sting.
1: Okay. Yeah, I've, I've listened to the podcast on this one for a while, and they never clarify. But, I mean, at the same time, you didn't need to pay Borden to be there. That didn't need to be yeah. one. Yeah, no You're shit. Her, you know? no, shit. Cause, but I feel like this was right around the time they started doing fake Sting,
2: right? No, NWO Sting was with them. He got off the thing at the beginning with the garbage trucks. He was walking yeah. in with them. But only people who were in the crowd were WCW guys. That's why I thought it was Sting. Uh-huh. every time they would show the crowd, it'd be a different... Yeah, maybe. They well, maybe but I true.
1: think that they were still kind of... They were still going back and forth on what was going on with the old stinger there, you know? Yeah.
2: They were, hey, still, we'll ne- they were still teasing. We'll never know.
1: Well,
0: speaking of teasing, let's jump back over to Hard to Kill here. The next match on the card um, is Taya Valkyrie versus Diana Peraza for the Knockouts Championship. Uh, right before the match, though, we had a pretty solid Eddie Edwards promo... I do think that he should join uh, with Eddie Kingston and have the Eddies as a tag team. I think oh, that would actually be God. a pretty solid. Like, I feel like that that would actually be a really solid tag team. I know I, I said it kind of funny, but like they really would be great. Like New York and Boston connection. Boston like
2: and Boston and New York and the Eddies.
0: Yeah, I, 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 I legit think that that would be pretty cool. But yeah, man, uh, I kind of got a lot to say about this one, but I'll, I'll, I'll let Wex lead us off here. What do you think about Taya Valkyrie versus Deanna Purrazzo for the Knockouts Championship?
2: I mean, overall, I thought it was a solid match. I like how, you know, Taya sold the knee, and Deanna Peraza was really good at working the submission stuff, but it just kind of, like, ended kind of quickly. Like, I don't know. It just seemed like it should have went on a little bit longer to me. But they they worked really good together, and it kind of sucks that Taya, well, I guess it doesn't suck for her. She's a free agent now. So, is she going to go join her husband over there at the E? Is she going to go to AEW? Is she going to go back to Mexico? You never know, but... Solid work. I just really wish it would have lasted a little longer. So I gave it three beers just because the length. But Deanna Perez was great. Like she, I love her. Like all of her mat base work and submissions and everything. And that I don't know what her. Like I forgot the name of her finisher where she's got got the the shoulders tucked back like that. Whatever it yeah, is. Oh it looks yeah, yeah, yeah. Painful. Yeah. I think she's great. I just wish they would have got maybe five, not five, like three to four more minutes on this match, maybe.
0: I don't. I don't really think the E is an option for Valkyrie. Jesse, what do you think about this?
1: I thought there was too much schmas outside, and it kind of took away from a lot of what was going on in the ring at first, which I thought was the strong point of the match. Then a lot of kind of splotchy shit. De- it degraded it to me. I didn't really love the match overall. I. I, I think. At first I was kind of confused, like, man, Taya looks so much better than Deanna, but I was not up on my contract shit until I watched Impact and realized, oh, that was them seeing her out. So I kind of see why that happened that way and all of that other stuff. It was definitely, to me, nowhere near as good as the tag match was. I gave it two beers total, mostly only because I do think there was some solid work. I think Deanna is improving the sense of being somebody in that role, but... The rest of the stuff outside, they got to clean that up. It's a little too distracting, and it kind of takes away from it too much.
0: Mm. Okay, boys. Uh, I'm turning heel here. Um, <laughs> I, I really don't know how to say this without sounding like an asshole, so that, that's that's pretty much what I'm going to do. Uh, and, I, honest, and I honestly wrestled with saying it this way because I didn't want to be perceived this, as a fucking misogynistic dude. But I do the same shit to the men, so I feel like it's only fair for me to do it here and no one in this match looked like they were in peak performance conditioning. I'm not saying that because someone is bigger that means that they're out of shape, but I am saying that I have seen both of these women faster, more athletic and and just more crisp in their work. The, neither one of them looked to be in the best shape. Period. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying like I'm not again not attacking them personally as women, but dude, they just didn't. They didn't look good. There was. They were sucking wind. It. It. It was not good. The match was not crispy. Uh, I was. I mean, especially for the name that these two have, I was extremely disappointed in the work rate. I felt like the match in general just. It. It felt like a lots of setups. Again, lots of beating, Lots of downtime. The match just wasn't good, guys. It just was not good. I gave it one beer, I, and and for that reason, like and look, dude, like I think that Valkyrie and Perazzo are both phenomenal. Again, I have seen them both be really athletic and really good but they are not they're not where they can be and I I don't I mean I don't know how else to say that they just I mean the physical conditioning is not up to par and that's where I'm gonna leave it because I just feel like I I just I have to say it I I just I mean I feel because I feel like it it literally is showing in their work at this point right I mean it's showing in their actual in-ring work so like something's got to change there but uh, I, speaking of things that pretty much never fucking change, let's jump back over here to 1997. It's the Steiner Brothers versus the Outsiders for the WCW World Tag Team Championships. Mr. Breaking the Lawson, give me your rundown on this Tag Team Championship match, bro.
2: Actually, it was fun. I loved, like, especially the first part with the blind ring announcer, and he's like, two ugly face mutts. <laughs> Loser. I love that. And then also, like, during Scott Hall's entrance, which... I guess a lot of people they always attribute the suck at to DX, but this was 1997, pre. I, this was was this pre DX? It's around <laughs> the same time.
0: They're but they're, you know on, on Monday nights they're both going right right back at you, HBK, yeah, and you know he they're was doing that doing whole thing.
2: some real some real intense suck at crotch chops right there on the ramp when he was coming out. But dude, the Steiner's dude look like the Steiner's, and I thought it was funny they kept talking about Scott Steiner's back on commentary, but like. Obviously, nothing happened in the ring with it because he didn't, like, sell it or anything. But, dude, the Steiner's fucking Big killed surprise. it, dude. Steiner didn't And Rick sell. Rick took a beating, dude. He was getting the dog shit beat up. Like, no pun intended for his character, but he was getting the dog shit beat up him for a while. And that was a hilarious ref bump that Nick Patrick took. Like, it was kind of like <laughs> – it was so fucked, but it was great. It worked for what that – and I love Ran- – Randy Anderson just looks – I don't know. He just fucking looks so funny with the turtle, like... I see he hilarious. He's just, a hilarious The epitome of the 90s, but I loved him running in, like, great match. I went four beers with this one just because it was a good nostalgia. The work wasn't bad as the Steiners were always put on something good, even if Scott Hall is f- half fucked up and drunk or higher on whatever. But I had, a gr- I had a great time with this match. It was just fucking fun.
0: I don't give a damn. Scott Hall was killing in 97. Jesse, where are you at on this one?
2: I am almost at the same. I'll, I only went three and a half,
1: but, I mean, I thought... With The way that the finish happened with the ref bump, it was the first that kind of built towards WCW having that loyalty, really, truly, from anybody. Yeah. Somebody jumping out of the crowd and being like, fuck this, I got it. And then, lo and behold, it's Randy fucking Anderson. But <laughs> the it, it advanced the WCW versus NWO thing that they still had their eyes set on clearly. So in my opinion, that part was great booking. Also, if you're t- thinking about around this area... In terms of in-ring work and ability to actually kind of run around a match, it's some of the best for these four dudes. Yes, sir. And it's just one of those. I, I thought that there was great heel shit as a result of overturning the victory and yada yada yada. I don't know. I just I loved it. I, three and a half for me.
0: Yeah, I mean, boys. I'm. I mean, I'm. I was four and a half. I think I loved this the Ooh. most. Um, I, dude. Okay. I. I. I man. I literally challenge anyone on earth. Any of our listeners, you can tweet me at kayfabe.com or at Daniel Daybreak. Find in all of wrestling a better working punch than Scott Hall's. Find me one wrestler that throws a better straight punch than Scott Hall. I dare say it cannot be done. You will not find said man because Scott Hall has the best right hand in the business.
2: I and like I, Gallows uppercut. Gallows has a nice. Oh yeah.
0: Uppercut. Oh yeah. gallo Gallows got a good one. Gallo's got a good one. But that straight right hand, buddy. You can't you can't beat Scott Hall. I mean, it just looks so vicious. Uh this was again definitely Up until this point, the best match on the, you know, best match, it surpassed the Buff Bagwell match. I thought it was a true 90s style big man match. And I do feel like with the size of these guys, it worked out really well. It's definitely not my favorite style, but in 97, it was super over. And this match was super over. Also, it's very rare that you saw the outsiders, you know, looking at the lights at the end of the match. Like, and so the fact that they put them over and that they really put WCW over. Uh, I thought was good. I mean, like you hear a lot about politics and shit, but like at the NWO show, they lose their belts to WCW guys. Like, and I dare say they probably had a lot to do with that booking. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, four and a half beers for me, just knowing how that how that is. But and, uh, enough gushing over the click. Let's uh, let's let's bounce back over here and let me gush a little bit more at what we are about to just talk mm-hmm. about. Man. Woo-hoo! Mm-hmm. Okay. So, this, Ethan Page versus the Karate Man. I gotta, t- I gotta take the lead on this one, boys. I have to take point. Obviously cinematic, but I'm 10,000% into this. The motherfucker line was incredible and will live on in professional wrestling lore hopefully for the rest of my lifetime. Because it was absolutely am- Just the pure corniness of this was so awesome. And the fact that the Karate Man killed Ethan Page and walked away with his heart. Absolutely incredible. Long live Karate Man. Six can beers, and I went to the store for more. Loved this shit. Jesse, tell me how you thought.
1: Uh, I hated it. Naturally. I, it. I love that I ha- we're back on I, course here, boys. <laughs> <laughs> I hated it for many, many reasons. Uh, it, the, the short list, basically, at this point in time, Impact doesn't need help looking hokey. I thought it was a shitty send-off for Ethan Page. I thought it could have been there there could have been a much better thing to be able to prop him up, have him help put somebody over on his way out other than himself. I, I just I thought it was too hokey, especially given everything else going on. It's not that I didn't find joy in it. If this was on Talking Chop Mania, fucking six beers. But it being in the middle of this. Made me really dislike it. So I gave it one whole beer. That's not to say he didn't put in work. That's not to say that the production team didn't do well with what they did. I just felt like it did not fit here in any way whatsoever.
0: Okay, Jesse. Okay, okay, Jesse.
1: Wex, what'd you think about
0: it?
2: I'm going to agree with you. I yeah, ab- hell yeah. absolutely love this shit. And this was very reminiscent of Absolutely Productions, uh, Tim and Eric's stuff. I oh. got a lot of that in this, and I love that oh. shit. And this, I was hyped. I was laughing the entire time, even though I know Ethan Page himself said this is not what he wanted to do, but I don't give a fuck if that's what he wanted to do. This was fucking great. It was hilarious. The only thing that would have made it a little bit better for me to grab another six pack if he would have took a bite out of the heart. I was waiting for the bite. I was waiting it's just for the a fight. juicy one that just exploded so, all over dude, his face. Oh, be... dude, the fucking bot, bi- the Liu Kang bicycle kick. Oh my god! Like <laughs> I watched pay per view with my lady, then she's never like she hasn't watched wrestling in years. This is probably the first pay per view she's watched in years, and we during this match, like we were both just like, what? Like just a crying, like, laughing, like just yeah. laughing, like what the fuck is that? Like I enjoyed it one hundred fucking percent. It was okay. a nice change of pace, like especially after. The weird Deanna Purrazzo match, like this, got me hyped back up. Like I was. Same, I same.
0: All right. Before we move on, though, I really want to talk about. So he, he, this is—he's gone, right? Ethan Page is gone. Do we? Is this him saying that like he's gonna be the Karate Man?
2: Well, the Karate Man, he does that gim- he does that gimmick like on his YouTube ch- channel and on the Indies. Sometimes so he'll wrestle yeah. as Karate Man, but I don't think he I don't think that's like a gimmick he wants to go full time with. It's just one of those like God, please, could you just please like I mean, he- I feel like that would have legs, like legit. yes, dude, I-, I like I like so Karate worried. Man. I agree. I, agree.
1: Like, I could see I feel- him jumping out as Karate Man on an AEW show as a one off or some shit like that. But I'm sure he's trying I to get signed. He, signed with- did he not? I thought he did sign with the E.
2: Didn't he sign? I nah, never he's just, he's just a free agent as of now is all I've heard. I don't uh, think he's officially uh... signed anywhere. But if he has, dude well, Karate, for... Karate I'm Man sure is he's gold. Signed with WWE. <laughs> I'm nah, all... When he signs with WWE, I'm... he's gonna be Kung Fu male. Yeah, I, I feel
0: like I feel like they would make him Kung Fu Kenny just to shit on Kenny. i <laughs> uh, seriously. And I feel like he would like they might even make him dye his hair like blonde with the mullet, like just to do the whole thing. Um, they just
1: put him yeah. with Xia Lee at NXT as the trainer, and then oh, nobody will geez. ever hear from him ever again. <laughs> They'll put him in Robert Stone brand. Um, okay, yeah.
0: So let's go on to the probably the best, one of the best matches on the card, if not the very best match on the card. Uh, it's Eddie Guerrero versus Six for the WCW United States Championship ladder match. Jesse, I'm going to go ahead and let you lead us off here since you were correct, and I don't have to shit on you.
1: Hey... Uh, I did really enjoy this. I also found it interesting it was for the U.S. and not the cruiserweight because at this time that's kind of what I thought yeah, would have been the vibe. It's also tremendously weird booking in a great way that I love but a lot of people don't like. To put this as the semi-main, given the size of the guys and given you know that this is going to be a fast-paced match, it's a ladder match, it's a gimmick match, and to put it before fucking Hogan and Giant. Yeah. I mean, no, you, totally. it's that's risky booking. That's very strange. Well, they, they knew nothing else could follow it on the card.
0: I guarantee, you, again, that's probably Hall and Nash and Eric's here being like, yo, you're going to have to put the kid on, like, right before Hogan because you will going to follow that Just shit, bro. People
1: walk out kind of happy if the match doesn't yeah. happen. But straight up. The uh, Eddie coming out and hearing the Mexican jumping bean. <laughs> uh-huh.
2: <laughs> I, like, I love that.
1: Talk, guys. What is this? It was tremendous action. I mean, I feel like this is one of those matches that could go on as a peak performance match for both guys. I'm not saying that this particular era was their era of that, but right. it's. It, I really thought that it was tremendous work. It was way up there on the ladder match scale, especially in 1997. Yes, yeah. That was not early 1997. That wasn't going on. I mean, right. we're just barely two, we're a little over two years removed from Sean and Razor, so. Yeah. It was really cool. The finish, I thought, was interesting. It was interesting to see Eddie use the title, but at the same time, it's no DQ, so it's not like he cheated. But right. it was. there were a lot of really incredible moves popped off. I, I gave it five only because there were a handful of weird bocce things that did go down. There, there were a couple of elements of it, but man, I
2: love this fucking match.
0: Yeah, straight up, dude. Wex, what did you think about this one?
2: I'm right up there with Jesse. I also went five beers, and... Like I said, there was so much sick shit in this match, and I thought it was very interesting watching this. It was a ladder match with just one ladder. Yeah. Just one. Yeah. Just one ladder at the top of the ramp. I Don't thought that was really interesting, and I really liked that uh, single-leg dropkick spot from the top of the ladder that they did. Yeah. That was fucking sick. And then one thing really weird, I have a note on commentary. Eric Bischoff, as Six has climbed the ladder, he goes, Come on, do it for Allison Chains. And I was like, Okay. But he definitely told him to do it for Allison Chains, and yeah, dude, Eddie Guerrero was fucking over like Rover with this crowd, guy. Oh yeah, was. Was for sure. And I thought it was very interesting. This was the first and only match in the entire night that WCW got a clean win without anything there because yeah. they can't. There's no way he can reverse that. It's just whoever gets the belt. So it wasn't a forced count. It wasn't someone yeah. in, someone else coming in and counting. It was the true, only WCW clean win of the night. But yeah. Fucking fantastic. Like, I can't say enough. Like, they even tried that, like, the wrest- the old, the let me rephrase that. Uh, They even put over on commentary also that Scott Hall invented this match. He basically invented it. And then they actually went for the WrestleMania spot, but then Eddie kicked him.
0: Yeah, no, I thought yeah. it was, I thought it was really smart for sure. I thought I mean, I would argue that as Sean Waltman as six, this was probably his best match in WCW. Definitely. Uh, I mean, really good. That dive to the outside was absolutely sick, too, considering there was just rugs down there. Oh, yeah. uh, and, and just like Jesse said, man, very different from any ladder match to be, I mean, any other ladder match. And even, to be honest, in the current day, like, sure, like the TLCs hadn't happened yet, but I do feel like if this match were to happen in a singles ladder match like this would be considered innovative because it was kind of like a regular wrestling style but they i mean they they use i thought that they used the ladder in the most unique ways and it to me the fact that there's only one ladder makes it like i i i want to see a singles match where you have to value the ladder and you don't want to fuck it up because then you're yeah. fucked. you know what i mean like Man, i'm serious yeah. like i think that that i think that using that ladder that way makes it way more important And, like, you add a totally different other dimension, whereas now it's like there's 18 fucking ladders out there. You can just go grab another one. That that kind of sucks. Like, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. It was was a great match. Not too long. Eddie got the win. Uh, The story here so far throughout the show, too, is that it's an NWO show. And so far, all the gold has gone to the WCW guys. So, you know, maybe looking back, yes, the wrestling was bad. But we talk about execution. I mean... The actual wrestling was bad, but at the end of the night, I mean, on I I was 1997. I was not ordering pay-per-views because I just wasn't allowed to. I was still yes. like 13, 14 years old. So like, to me, like you just saw the highlights, and wow, the WCW guys all won it. It sold out, and like it seemed like it was it worked really well in their favor. Uh, but let's jump back over here to Hard to Kill, man. Let's keep it going. The next match on the card here. Is going to be Sammy Callahan versus Eddie Edwards. Uh, before the match happens, we have Don Callis and Moose in the back. Callis just fucking killed it, of course. Like, that dude is... Heyman level on the mic at this point. Like, I really think that that's what they're doing with Kenny. Like he is the Heyman of the AEW impact crossover. And I really hope that they just continue to do this. And maybe they do, you know, come up with some kind of cool name to have an actual AEW versus impact pay-per-view. I think that would be massive. Maybe they're just building this up for like when we can do crowds again and actually have a crowded, not even crowded, but like more of a crowd at a venue and do an AEW impact crossover show. I think that would be massive. Um, And Moose, surprisingly, was pretty solid on the mic. So, yeah, but the match here is Sammy Callahan versus Eddie Edwards. Not my cup of tea, but I'm going to let a Wex lead us off here. What do you think about Sammy Callahan versus Eddie Edwards?
2: I thought this was a goddamn bloodbath, and I loved it. Like, definitely better than the last Barbed Wire Massacre match we reviewed, which was Sabu versus Abyss, I think. And I I think that's who it was, but I like this a lot better than having just barbed wire ropes instead. Like, they had... So, so much different variety with all the bar- barbed wire stuff and yeah. like dude just a fucking i love this It was a great blow off to their few because they're this whole going way back to where he busted him the eye with the baseball bat and i fucking loved during the match when they both he had the kendo stick and he had the baseball bat eddie and sammy had opposite weapons their signature weapons and they sw- they exchanged weapons then start beating the shit out of each other with them i love that spot i thought that was just great storytelling right there the N64 controller was kind of peculiar, which was cool fact. It was bought from the Great Escape in Madison because they posted on their Facebook: Sammy Callahan he used these tonight on Impact, and he came and bought them from us. So I think that's pretty cool. But dude, Powell driver through the board, and then the Emerald Float, dude. I loved it. Great payoff to the feud. I'm going five beers. I don't know if he, obviously Bloodbath is not your cup of tea, but I think Jesse will hopefully be leaning towards my way.
0: Jesse, where are you at on it, man?
2: I mean, it was super-duper fucking violent, and a lot of
1: times I don't like bloodbath matches by any stretch of the imagination, but I felt like that's what this needed to be. This is one of those rare instances where any of the stuff that you've seen between these guys, and in one incident, accidentally very fucking real, this is the only way to go and pay something like this off. My only hope is that it is the payoff, and that they don't try and drag it out in some crazy... Unless it's Alliance stuff and they're kind of switching what they're doing with it. But I thought there were some innovative spots. That throat drop onto the barbed wire. Oh, yeah. Ooh. That whole spot scared the absolute shit out of me. Because The minute I saw it, I definitely could not tell if it was real or not. And it looked like he straight just took that wire against his jugular. But he kept going, and apparently it's fine because he's on TV on Tuesday. So it is what it is. <laughs> but the... It was, I thought it was a really good back and forth. I love that weapon swap spot, too. Um, I, I only went four beers only because it's like, it is a gimmick match, so it can only go so high. But I thought that what for what it was, they did precisely what they were supposed to do and in a way over-delivered. See,
0: for me, I'm uh, obviously not on the same level as you guys. I, but I, I didn't hate the match. I, I was kind of pretty much in the middle on it. I mean, I'm just not really into matches like this. And honestly, like... Okay, I, I agree that, like, it, it wouldn't be... Uh, it was better than, like, the Sabu thing where they had the ropes as barbed wire, but I also don't like that, like, one side is a barbed wire wall. Like, to me, it's like, dude, just put this fucking match in a cage and let them have, like, a couple things around the cage. Like, because uh, I honestly felt like there were certain spots in this where it felt like diet deathmatch. Like, it was almost like you could see them go a little light on the strikes. And I was like, but... Uh, you know what I mean? I was just like, just do, like... And I felt like it was because of the layout of the ring and everything. Like, like I felt like this could have been more aggressive. There was plenty of blood, but it wasn't as aggressive as it should have been to me. You know what I mean? Like, I felt like I, I was actually, I thought it should have been more like, not even not necessarily more blood, but more brutality. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, I did definitely did pop for the N64. Um, it definitely wasn't that it was bad. I just felt like it kind of drug on, and there were spots that I expected to be brutal, brutal, that I could see that they were pulling a little bit. And that complete Like, in a deathmatch scenario, like, if you're swinging fucking barbed wire, and I see you pull it lightly, that completely ruins it for me. Like, I, I mean, I understand why you're doing it, because you don't want to fucking slay a guy with some damn barbed wire, but it just bothered the shit out of me i mean i definitely popped for the n64 controller i thought that was a highlight and i will say though so i had a completely different feeling when he when he dropped down on that like barbed wire like thing for the throat drop he actually got his arm underneath and like it really jerked like the his like armpit where his pec ties to his shoulder and like i thought i was like oh he straight up tore his pec off the bone right there like because it looked like he jerked his whole like shoulder up when he landed and like I mean, when he was laying there, he definitely was grabbing at his armpit. So, like, I, I definitely thought, like, he really, really hurt himself there. Luckily, I don't think he did.
2: Uh, I was only about three beers. Again, didn't hate it, didn't love it. Three beers for me, dude. I will, I will say, like, you were talking about the aggressiveness after you saw the big boss man basically swinging a fucking chain like a oh, whip. Oh no, shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, <laughs> that's no fair. Comparison. That's fair. There's no, yeah,
0: there, that's 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 completely fair. But our here we go back over to 1997. It's the main event of the evening, boys. But uh, if you guys, you know what? I'm gonna let Wex talk about it because I know he's got notes about it. Go ahead and give us the rundown about Miss NWO here.
2: Only thing I really have is Miss NWO was a clusterfuck. Jesus fucking Christ is what I have written down because it was just so many production botches and like they didn't know what they were doing. It was just a goddamn shit show. And like you, he, like Jesse talked about earlier, Jeff Katz was pretty much trying to get over as this personality, but it was a epic failure, and the girl who won Miss NWO, Bischoff ended up making out with her, which I thought was fucking weird, too, but let's what? just get on to the main event, I guess.
0: Yeah, it's super gross. It's super gross. Jesse, anything
1: to add to that Miss NWO thing? I gotta say, I thought Katz actually didn't do a bad job, given the fact that you could tell the girls couldn't hear him, and they weren't, like, even answering him. He kind of, like, rolled off and came up with his own weird transition shit during the time. I mean, you could tell... That dude was given nothing going into this. He's like, talk to all these very purposefully ugly chicks, spoof a beauty contest, and do it in between every match, try and pop the crowd. No one could have done that when no one can hear one another. No, that's
0: fair. That's fair. I mean... I don't want to say fuck cats because I feel like we might get them on the podcast at some point. So (laughs) I'll I'll leave that door open. I'm not going to burn that bridge just yet. Let's get on to Hollywood Hulk Hogan versus the Giant for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. The Dallas Cowboys lead Hogan out as if I needed any more reason to hate the fucking Cowboys, especially in 1997. Um, But yeah, I mean, of course, it's a basic Hogan match. And at this time, that means pretty fucking awful. Uh, I will say on the mic, he was a great heel. Hollywood Hogan as a heel on the mic was fantastic, but his matches as Hollywood Hogan are worse than his anything he ever did as babyface Hogan, including his 2000s run in WWE. That was even even his in matches then were better than this shit. Uh, it was just it was not good. Uh, he's still kind of working that 80s style in the late 90s, but he's also like doesn't really know how to work as a heel. Like he doesn't really know how to work as a heel. Uh, he's great great heel promo. Just doesn't really know how to work as a heel, and the giant is just green as goo. Shit, I mean, just, <laughs> just, just. I mean, barely out of training at this point. He probably is still working at the power plant, honestly. Uh, I mean, really, to me, I felt like they should have had Sting clear of the ring here to end the show. But whatever, it would have saved it a little bit. Ending dragged on forever and ever and ever. I was literally zero beers, complete dud for me. Jesse, where you out on this main event?
1: The Cowboys thing. I'm not a football guy. It's Cedar Rapids, Iowa in fucking January. Can anybody explain what the tie possibly could have been to this? Well, they didn't
0: make the fucking playoffs, so.
2: Dude, I can't think of anything because the su- the Super Bowl, they said that – the Super Bowl was the next day because this pay-per-view was on a Saturday, and they didn't do it on Sunday because of the Super Bowl. And, that's, and they said the Green Bay Packers were in the Super Bowl who were NFC. So the Cowboys weren't the Super Bowl. They were fucking out at that point. So yeah. why is Hogan having losers escort? Well, because they the had
0: won in 95, 94, 95, 96 is when they won the three-peat, I believe.
2: Yes, and Cowboys fans till this day still think that three-peat makes them good today. I don't know no, what No, I think agree. Is. They always think every year is their year, just like Tennessee Vols fans. It's not the 90s. We, we, just, we watch the 90s. It's not the Sit 90s. Sit down.
1: Be humble. Anyway— so, NWO gangs on Giant at the end of the match after a very predictable match. Where I will say, it. I mean, it looked like Hogan was trying to do some good for Giant. He attempted a couple more wrestling moves than normal. It was just like watching it through one of them weird kaleidoscope things that slows everything down. But, the I really thought after Bischoff sliding him the guitar and taking Giant out, if he had gotten the dirty win, like a win... Dirty that it would have put him way more over as a heel than the whole schmoz, whatever, who gives a shit about this. Wins and losses aren't an important thing. Or, Daniel, to your point, steam clearing the ring would have been a perfect way to end it. I thought the no contest completely killed any momentum that this whole thing could have possibly had at all. Agreed. Zero, agreed. zero beers.
0: Agreed, agreed. Just trash. Straight up trash. Um, mm-hmm. Man, just a bunch of bodies
2: in the ring. It just it didn't make any sense. I will say I don't really have much to add from what you guys said. I did think it was pretty funny that the announcer said, the NWO's biggest failure. Talking about the Giant. giant. Yeah, Uh, yeah. But yeah, like Jesse said, this match was not very smooth. I thought it was very interesting. Giant tried an elbow drop from the top rope, which you don't – you really don't see him go to the top very often, which I don't understand why Hogan – like you should – why would they have Hogan move out of the way? You should at least let – if he's going to go to the top, a goddamn, let him connect. Come on now. Well, because and,
1: how, how
0: the fuck could you kick out of that? Plus, he's green as shit. The dude would literally have killed Hulk Hogan.
2: But, it's, killed but it's
0: WCW. He, he, would, he would have died in 1997. You know why? You wouldn't have heard any of his racist rants.
2: Yeah, that, that <laughs> might have been a good thing. I wish Giant would have hit him right in the sternum. But uh, the reason he he could have hit him and it still could have worked is because the Giant no-sold the big boot leg drop. So uh, if Hogan – if he can no-sell the big boot leg drop, he can no-sell an elbow. And he can still choke slam everybody at the end of the match like happened and – we could still have the same trash bullshit main event, just with a nice little elbow drop, and maybe, maybe not kill Hogan there, just injure his sternum, so he still got to finish the NWO storyline, then died. So no, I'm... He, no, no, he at least got to work through Shawn Michaels WrestleMania, then died. That's true. So I miss,
0: uh, I miss the vertical suplex, and Wex clearly misses the elbow drop off of the top. Um zero but,
2: beers though. Zero beers. Just yeah, like, zero beers. Trash.
0: Zero beers. Absolute trash. Uh let's go on over here. Can we, can we get to the fucking main event of hard to kill now, Wex? Are, are you done? Is, is that okay? Can we do that do now? It. Okay, it's good. good. <laughs> it's the elite versus Swan, Moose, and Saban. I, I actually wrote down the bullet club because I feel like the elite is different, but I know they're trying to do that whole thing and the whole storyline, and yada yada yada.
2: The Super but Elite Brothers, that's what I read. The Super
0: Elite Brothers, love it. I love that for sure. Um, big fan of this one. Jesse, give it to me. Actually, you know what? Fuck it. Wex, give it to me. I'm going to let since, since Wex just needs to talk here, let's dude, make sure I'm, he gets all his shit in.
2: I'm going to get all my shit in, and you know who <laughs> really got all their shit in, And who was the MVP of this match, who I kind of used to kind of shit on, but they really impressed me, was fucking Moose. Yeah. Dude, Moose? Yeah. Fucking killed it in this match. Like, he surprised the hell out of me. And honestly, for a six man tag with kind of a random team kind of thrown together against, like, it was great. Fuck. Like, fantastic. I loved it. Like, even when Swan and Moose teamed up together, hit the Doomsday Device, Spanish Fly from the top rope, Moose on Kenny Omega, like, and obviously Kenny Omega had to have some trust in the Moose, like, yeah, I'll we'll do a fucking Spanish Fly from the top, like, uh, dude, and then the few single spots we got from Omega and Rich Swan together, they were just fucking fantastic. I can't wait till that eventual singles match between them happens, I know it's gonna happen. This yeah. is one of the best six-man tags I've seen in a while, especially, like I said, from not even though these guys are friends, there's not really well-established teams at this point. Just, dude, fucking great. Like, I can't say enough good things about it. I'm, It left me wanting more because of the storyline. Like, 100%. I am very excited to see what's going to go forward and what's going to happen between AEW and Impact, but goddamn Moose, I think Moose sold me as a fan on this match, honestly. And I was going to go six beers, but just because the whole thing that, it was a six-man tag. It was a little bit chaotic, but for being a six-man tag, it was as smooth as it could be five beers.
1: Jesse,
0: where are you at on it?
2: I cannot agree more with the Moose thing. That was, that was
1: definitely my biggest note coming out of this match because I just hated all of his fucking work so far. And yeah. I, I, I just – there's something about being able to level up and match up against every member of that team the way that he did that uh, against both Gallows, Anderson, and Omega – I just thought, man, there's some versatility there. There was something waiting. I don't know who pep talked him, but whoever the fuck it was, it worked. Uh, I thought it was a huge elevation for Swan as well. Yeah. Being the figurehead of impact, being the figure, the leader of that team and the way that that match was, I mean, six man main events, I don't think are anyone's forte really, maybe no. in some other countries, but any traditional wrestling fan, everyone's going to hate him. However, I felt like this one absolutely was incredible. Um, it was fast-paced. Yes, there were some jumble spots, but I thought they did the face-offs really well. You got to see a lot of potential matchups for yeah. for future story building occur throughout the entire thing. This is one of the first y'all know I'm a good brothers Mark in a big way, but this is one of the first really great matches that I feel like I've seen them in in quite a while. Yep. Like quite a while. And maybe even since Japan truly. Definitely. Yeah. I agree. It's just one of those things. I mean, Machine Gun was on fucking fire. He had his heel tactics down. Gallows was in there getting rough. Him and Moose, fuck. Yeah. You know, hospital was. times 10. I just, I thought there was a lot of action, a lot of intrigue. The way they went out cinematically was perfect. I, I went six on it. I went six full beers. Bro,
0: um, uh, again, let's write it down. This show is the one that I, I've agreed with Jesse twice. I'm six beers here. I thought it was super good. Uh, again, like, yeah, I, I normally hate six-man tags, but it was just really phenomenal. Moose and that standing moonsault was just—that was the first spot where I was like, whoa, holy shit, man. Like, And by the way, he looks way more, like, uh, cut. Like, he's always been a big guy, but he looked a little—like, he's so tall that, like, he's going to be big no matter what. He looked slimmer and, like— More like ripped, you know what I mean? Like, he looked like he was ready to work with with Kenny Omega or ready to work with like you know, Rich Swan or or or, or those guys
2: want to do the flips,
0: yes, buddy. Yeah, and and it's it's real. Like, it, 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 I mean, dude, let's keep putting him over, Moose, dude. You guys changed, you changed three minds like three marks' minds with that with that match because we were shitting on you up until now. That was killer. Kenny is absolutely on fire. Um, I mean. I mean, Kenny's Kenny, so it, it, no surprise there. Definitely, really want that Swan and Omega solo match too. Uh, that triple splash thing that they did with uh, with Luke on the back, and then yeah. I love that they did it on AEW too. I thought it was absolutely hilarious. Um, and again, that that Spanish Fly, the Moose Spanish Fly, was absolutely incredible. Hell of a main event. Maybe the best six man I've seen in a while, if not the best six man tag match I've ever seen. It's very possible.
2: Um, yeah, it's. Wait, can I go ahead and just change my rating to 6 beers cuz yeah, fuck it. The more we keep fuck talking it. about moose Let's and keep
1: putting even it over.
2: one even one thing, dude. His moose psychology in the match too, not even just his work, just like I lo- even when he he stopped and pointed the finger guns at Kenny Omega and went for yeah. drop kick, fucking just icing on the cake right there. Yeah, dude.
0: man, I think that he really is to a point where he's been wrestling for a while now, but I think he finally is gets it. You know what I mean? I think he's really locked into who he is and what he's doing and he's able to adapt and work with other people, whereas in the past he's always just been, no, fuck it, I'm Moose. I'm gonna do my shit. I'm gonna get my shit in. But his shit was different this time. He didn't get any of his classic old school Moose shit in. It was all just new good shit that worked really well against the opponents he was working with. Hats off to him. Six solid fucking beers all the way around. We are all a six pack deep on this one. Boys! NWO Sold out 97 versus hard to kill from impact in 2021. I think the clear, the clear cut winner has got to be hard to kill. Am I wrong?
2: No question. I, mean, no fucking question. I was
1: good at, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Obviously
2: hard to kill hundred percent. Obviously hard but to kill is the question one. though. I got a great question for you guys. If you had to pick one competitor from hard to kill to having a singles match against one competitor on the sold out pay-per-view. Ooh, I love this. Been-
1: are we talking the same
2: era as they appear here? Like 97 yes, like version exactly. versus, Their version 2020? Yeah, versus yeah. that 2020 version, straight up. Ooh. Ooh. Jesse, I'm going to let you go
0: first because I'm going to need some time.
1: <laughs> yeah, I kind of, I, you might have to do some silence killing on this one. But I'll tell you, honestly, where I'd jump would be 97 era uh, Eddie Guerrero
2: right here and Omega. Dude, that's exactly those are my two fucking favorite wrestlers of all time. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, I'm I, I'm or gonna maybe go maybe a Moose and Scott Hall or Moose give and Kevin Nash. It. Yes, dude, straight up. Like give me ninety seven,
0: slightly high, but not completely wasted, Scott Hall. Yes, exactly. Versus Moose twenty twenty one. Oh, God, that's money, bro. Like that's money, money, money. Like I think that's oh Jesus. just the just the, the like the the fist fight that those dudes could have would just be insane. like the power moves. I mean, good Lord. I couldn't. I mean, maybe Scott Hall could take a Spanish fly. I don't know. maybe he could.
2: maybe ninety seven Scott Hall could maybe. Uh, maybe. I it don't think he would. How... I don't think he would. Dude, I think if he got high enough, he would try it. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Six could, coach, six could coach him up in the back and be like, all right, that's how that we do it. Eddie, Eddie will be back there, too. We can give him the lucha, the lucha let me, tips.
1: Let me give you this bump first, and then we'll talk it out. Dude, you Buck Bagwell from Only This Show versus Ty of Valkyrie.
2: <laughs> that could be a banger.
0: I, would say I mean, maybe Scotty Riggs from it's Only scary. This Show versus uh, – Fucking Joe Doring, and just let him get the shit knocked out of him. <laughs> yeah, that's because you gonna... know it'd sell well for him. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, because they wouldn't be fucking selling. Ooh, how about six
2: and Matt Cardona? Ooh. Six ninety-seven, Matt Cardona now. How about Scott Steiner versus Ace Austin? Ooh boys a 97 scott steiner versus ace austin I feel like we're gonna have we're gonna have to do
0: like a like a, a era versus era draft and like uh do like a fantasy card for the for the eventual patreon that's coming soon dude uh, totally so we'll, 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 have, we'll have some more updates for you guys as time goes on but i will tell you what we got going on next week obviously this week hard to kill is the dead set winner next week we are also, we're, you know, trying to change it up here, guys. We're always trying to bring you brand new content, brand new ideas. So next week we're doing uh, the first ever episode of our "What Happened To" series, and it's going to be "What Happened to the Amazing Red." I know that we talked a little bit about it on the Alex Kane show. I have been doing some uh, some studying, been looking into the beginning of Amazing Red, uh, the beginning of the Spanish announced team, and how that whole thing started. I'm really excited to get into this. Jesse, what do you think about next week? What happened to Amazing Reb?
1: I get more and more excited about it the more I think about it. And it's funny that we picked this because he actually happened to come up on Impact's commentary last night. I was going to say that.
0: Yeah. He's been tweeted about by AEW wrestlers recently as well.
1: Eddie Kingston. Yeah, and I, yep. It's, uh, it's Kismet. It's meant to be. I'm very excited. I love it man. Wex, got anything to add to the new
0: amazing red episode, the new format, even just the format of doing a what happened I mean, to series?
2: I'm excited just to dive into the amazing red cuz literally he is responsible for the way pretty much modern pro wrestling like moves are done. Like he does like so much stuff that he innovated and came up with people still do to this day and I'm pretty pretty interested to like do a real a real serious deep dive on him.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. The following week is going to be The first paper, the first, uh, I guess, like WWE show that we cover in 2021, it's going to be WWE Royal Rumble 2021 versus WWF Royal Rumble 2001. Now, listen, guys, I know that there's a podcast fucking empire out there that also covers anniversary shows, but nobody does shit that we do, okay? Nobody gives you match by match against current day shit. We're the only podcast on earth that does it. And I guarantee you, we will have a completely different spin from marks that we were in 2001 against maybe somebody that worked there or maybe somebody that helped book that card um, i'm sure there's a great podcast i'm going to be listening to them myself uh, but man i'm super pumped to do royal rumble 2021 how it's going to look in tropicana with the thunderdome i'm really excited at how they're going to put that together how do you guys feel about doing this 20-year anniversary royal rumble show wex what do you think man
2: I'm pretty excited. Uh, It's been a long time since I watched that last Royal Rumble, but I definitely remember watching that either live or uh, someone taped it off their cheater box and let me borrow the tape. So if you remember those days.
1: Oh, hell yeah.
0: Hell yeah, man. I used to huddle.
1: Yeah,
0: shout out Justin Hall. Justin Sane on the indies, one of the old misfits from the early 2000s. We used to huddle in his dad's garage, and he had a little shuffle box that would, like, arrange all the channels to where you could watch them. You
2: can watch That's the boy channel.
0: Oh yeah, oh, around that time, this is like this is the early 2000s, so it was all like girls gone wild specials and shit from like, you know, like the Bahamas or what the fuck <laughs> ever. Jesse, what do you think about this uh, this 20 year Royal Rumble comparison we got coming up in two weeks?
1: I'm super excited. I love uh, 2001 WWE WWF at the time is one of my favorite things on earth. Yeah, uh, for a lot of reasons, but. This is, you know, this is shortly before the WCW acquisition, shortly before ECW closing down. It's a very different time in the business, and it, it, it's a super interesting show. I've been watching back a little bit, doing some research, and I'm excited to see what they do with the Rumble this year, man. I mean, again, 2021's full of surprises. There's really only room to have some super cool shit happen, and hopefully, that's what they roll with here. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. Be sure to hit that subscribe button. Leave us a five-star review. When you write your review, please leave a nostalgia show that you want us to cover. We will throw it in the comparison machine, and we will make sure to cover it for you. We will shout you out on air as well. Be sure to follow us on our socials at kfabecom, K-A-Y-F-A-B-E-C-O-M. My name is Mr. Know-It-All, Daniel John Schaefer.
2: You can always find me at Daniel Daybreak Wex. Where can people find you and your YouTube following? Wex breaking the lawson on YouTube, Wex Breaking the Lawson on Instagram, and Wex Breaking The on Twitter, because I can't fit Lawson on there. <laughs> Jesse, where you at, bro?
1: I am at Jesse Baker Nash on both Instagram and Twitter. And regular old Jesse Baker on Facebook. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for joining us for the
0: first podcast of uh, this new presidency. Uh, like it or hate it, thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Happy to have the fucking Cheeto out. Sorry if that hurts your feelings, but we're all good brothers here. We'll see you guys really next good. week. <laughs> we're out. Peace.
2: Bye.